This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jack fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I'm Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com, and the man across the studio from me is Scott Chasen. Scott, it was not a good weekend of football. It just, no, no, it didn't work out for yeah. anyone. Not if you live in Lawrence, Manhattan, Kansas City, but I'll tell you what, if you are a fan of 68-yard field goal attempts, you got... Almost a couple of them this uh, this Sunday, I guess, so that's something. Would have been better as a 67-yard attempt. <laughs> you can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash show, on Twitter at TheDrive13, and, of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast over at GoPowerCat.com. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Fitz, K-State took a 3-0 record to Oklahoma State, gave up 31 first-half points and losing to the Cowboys. What did this game show us about the Wildcats? Well, something that has been pretty true of Kansas State football for a while now, the, the fine line between winning and losing is just very narrow. And if you don't show up with your complete focus, your complete passion, uh, you're going to be in trouble. That's what happened to K-State really in that first half. The defense, which has been so good for Kansas State, didn't play well. The offense under Will Howard went right down the field and then sputtered out and settled for a field goal. And only a 99-yard kickoff return from Malik Knowles Special teams does it again. Kind of kept K-State around, but then they just had the, the tragedies of that first half where they had some turnovers, including a bad snap to Will Howard that he couldn't handle. And Scott, Oklahoma State hadn't scored in the 30s all season. They had averaged 24 points a game for their through their first three victories. They scored 31 in the first half. And granted, there was seven on a fumble recovery in the end zone, but those 24 points in the first half represented their whole season average for scoring. Now the irony here is K-State came back in the second half and played much better defensively, although Oklahoma State rightfully got very conservative because they just simply didn't believe Kansas State could score enough points to win, which was true because by the end of the game, Will Howard was also on the sidelines somewhere over there with Skylar Thompson, who didn't play, traveled but didn't play, and third stringer Jaron Lewis was in the game doing the best he could. They just didn't have enough offense to overcome this, and you talk about the 20 points, but one of those touchdowns was a kickoff return. So the offense itself only put up 13 points. This offense is anemic. They have to learn to be able to uh, score in different ways than just leaning on the run game. Oklahoma State did a great job trying to take away Deuce Vaughn in the run game. Instead, he hurt them in the passing game, which we saw in the highlights. A really nice play by Jaron Lewis to stay alive as he was getting sacked and put the ball out to Deuce, who went the rest of the way 
for a touchdown. This team has some really nice weapons, but they can't come out and make mistakes. They can't turn the ball over. Uh, they, they can't miss tackles, which they did really for the first time this season. Their, their line is just too narrow between winning and losing, and this time it fell on the losing side. While we got some things exposed about this team, I don't think it's you know tragic. I think they'll be able to bounce back from this pretty soon. Yeah, I, I agree, especially as we'll talk about the health at the quarterback position. I think that's important. To me, the one kind of red flag warning sign is felt like at the end of the game, K-State had that defensive drive. They had their timeouts, could have got a stop, could have got the ball back. And it just seemed like at that point, I don't know if their their spirit has, had kind of yeah. been broken just by the way that game went, but it, it just felt like they didn't have it uh, on that last drive. I thought that was a little disappointing, but I do think a lot of those woes, like you will, you were talking about, will get fixed. Just yeah, kind it of was as the uh, season goes. Pr- pretty epidemic through the whole game. They, mm-hmm. they did not look like they were fully invested, which was troubling because they have been. Well, Scott, the Kansas offense showed up, but the defense didn't. Which part of the Jayhawks' 52-33 to loss at Duke do you want to start with? Well, Fitz, uh, that's not a basketball score, 52-33, uh, to 33, although it'd be low scoring. But, yeah, uh, crazy that the Kansas offense, that's where I'll start, came to life in this way because uh, there were reasons for concern going into the week. Velton Gardner hits the transfer portal. He's the starter at running back. But lo and behold, here comes Tory Lachlan, who was the first Jayhawk in like a decade to have a receiving touchdown that you just saw. And oh, by the way, also a rushing touchdown, which you're about to see on your screen. Now, uh, the blocking was a lot better. Jason Bean actually had some time in the pocket. The Kansas offense, dare I say, was good. It, it missed some opportunities. I'll talk about that in a sec. But the Jayhawks aired out the ball. This catch by Trevor Wilson, that was number two on the SC top 10. Uh, he had to pin the ball on the guy's helmet, then kind of pull it in, pin it again on his back. He didn't really have possession, somehow made that catch. Mm. And what's really impressive about that play, Fitz, that's a small guy. Trevor Wilson is not a big wideout who goes over the top of guys to make catches. Saquami Lassiter also caught a long ball. So, this was a, a very good game for the Kansas offense, but I still think about uh, you know the missed opportunities they had. Because yes, they scored in the 30s, but what happens early in the game? Romello Dotson on that defense gets an interception. He gets chased down around the 15-17 yard line of Duke. So Kansas starting in the red zone, they don't get any points out of that drive. And then at the end of the game, the Kansas offense again gets a first and goal. I think they got it to fourth and goal. Now they could have taken the field goal if they were worried about the point spread or whatever, but Lance Leipold's still going for touchdowns and they throw an interception. So that's two times you had the ball in the red zone that you didn't score. I'm not going to complain too much about that. I think that'd be unfair in a game where the Kansas offense scored 30 points. That's something to look out for, though, because Kansas hadn't really had turnover issues at all this season. Uh, They kind of emerged. But uh, one more shout-out goes to Devin Neal. I mentioned Velton Gardner departing and what that did for Torrey Lachlan. It opened up opportunities for Devin Neal, too. He was over 100 yards for the first time in his career. You know, no disrespect to Gardner, who I think will have chances at another program. But you talk about addition by subtraction in that running backs room. I think you saw it on display. Your thoughts on red pants? I'm not, first of all, I'm the least fashionable person in this studio, Fitz included, so I'm not the one to ask here, but uh, no, I I was not a fan of the red pants. Yeah, it was just, it didn't look right. It was kind of strange. Well, Oklahoma barely squeaks by West Virginia, speaking of not looking right. Mm -hmm. Iowa State loses again. TCU (laughs) falls to SMU. Scott, which Big 12 team had the most disappointing result this weekend? Well, Fitz, I'm glad you said result and not loss because I'm going Oklahoma here. I I actually watched a lot of this game. 
the Oklahoma offense looks broken. They're a defensive team. This game was 13 to 13 going down the stretch. And Fitz, quite frankly, West Virginia should have won this yep. game. They had the ball, I believe, in field goal range. You had a center start to snap the ball and then kind of stop, and it got called for a five-yard uh, snap infraction. Then the very next play, he snaps the ball when the quarterback isn't looking. It's a huge loss. They have to punt. Oklahoma ends up driving at the end of the game. You see here they get into field goal range with an excellent kicker uh, and hit this walk-off for the win. Uh, to me, Oklahoma's offense, Spencer Rattler, who was booed by the home crowd. You have the student section. They're actually chanting for his replacement, uh, I think massively disappointing. This is a team that could have lost to Tulane, that was in a way too close game against Nebraska, and now has this result. I know they're still ranked in the top 10. This, to me, is barely a top 20 team with the way they've played so far. Now, obviously, they can get a lot better. They probably will get a lot better and improve. But I would say that, to me, was the most disappointing result. I think the only other one you could look at would be Iowa State because this was supposed to be the dream season. Uh, Fitz, I, I know you're high on Baylor. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, maybe this tells you what Matt Campbell can and can't do there, what you get capped at when you're in Ames. Uh, incredibly disappointing just the way they were hammered at the beginning of the game. Uh, felt like they were fighting back the whole time, never had enough to complete the job. Yeah, I'm going to pick Iowa State. I, I think Iowa State is an utter disappointment to themselves, their fans. This was supposed to be a big season. They barely beat Northern Iowa. They got smoked by their rival, Iowa. They went out and played a really bad UNLV team and, and collected a bunch of fool's gold and felt wealthy and then went to Baylor and got exposed. Baylor was by far the better team. Brock Purdy is as broken as Spencer Rattler. I don't know what's going on with quarterbacks right now. Those two guys are supposed to be really good. But yeah, quarterback play for both of those teams is bad. And, and you know, luckily for Iowa State to get Kansas this weekend. But we still won't know really where Iowa State's at, probably until they come to Manhattan in the middle of uh, early October. I guess it'd be in early October. So that's mm -hmm. going to be just a huge game. Yeah. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, can K-State reach a bowl game if Skylar Thompson doesn't return? I wonder if people would vote differently yeah. after the last week. Uh, a, yes, 77% uh, of people thinking K-State could. B, no, 23% of people, about a quarter, uh, saying they don't think Kansas State would in that hypothetical. We do expect, obviously, Skylar Thompson to return. Yep. This week's question is, after Kansas, which Big 12 team that started 0-1 in the conference, in conference play is the worst so the second worst behind Kansas. Mm -hmm. A, Iowa State, B, K-State, C, Texas Tech, D, Virginia, West Virginia. And the answer is uh, C, but you get to vote <laughs> at the drive 13. Uh, yes, Fitz, I would agree with you there. Well, uh, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on the drive. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. And the two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. 
Well, Fitz, K-State played without senior quarterback Skylar Thompson for the second straight game. When will Thompson return for the Wildcats, and what does that mean for the team when he does? Well, the big talk out of Saturday was Skylar Thompson not only went to Stillwater with the team, some of the injured guys didn't, uh, but he warmed up. Now, he never suited up, but he was out there uh, warming up, throwing the ball all over the field, looking good, pushing off of that bad leg, which isn't as severely injured as we first feared. And even though Chris Kleiman danced pretty nicely after the game about when he'll return, I'll just say it. I'll say it for everyone to hear, and I'm sorry if they get upset with this. I will be shocked if he doesn't play next week against Oklahoma. Absolutely shocked. For one, they need him. I mean, we saw that on Saturday in this game. Those quarterbacks just aren't quite ready to go to Big 12 venues and, and play at the highest level or the level that K-State needs to win games. And keep this in mind, Skylar Thompson has beaten Oklahoma two years in a row. There's no way he wants to miss out on a third. Because honestly, when was the last time a quarterback in the Big 12 beat Oklahoma three times? That requires some research, and Scott, I don't do research like that. But uh, I, I just will be stunned if he doesn't come back. And if he doesn't, then K-State has an off week before they play Iowa State, I think certainly for the Iowa State game. But I think also that Oklahoma game gives them an opportunity to play. If it gets out of hand or something, they can pull him out. Uh, but if they're in that game, he'll play to the end and then have another week to get healthy. I, I'll be just stunned if he's not back. And they need him. They really do need him. Yeah, well, Fitz, you talk about what Skylar Thompson has meant for the program, not just the, the amount of time he's been there, but kind of some signature moments. You mentioned the Oklahoma games and what they've done just for building credibility early in the Chris Kleiman regime and saying, hey, you've got a guy who can, with the right pieces around, win you games. I think it'd be a huge lift. I thought it was a promising sign that he did travel. Now I know there's more quarterbacks can do. They can help the other quarterbacks, right? But Fitz, if you're a K-State fan or, or if you're a K-State player, just seeing him there, that's got to give you a little bit of a lift, right? It does, um, but I'll just be really blunt here. These, this coaching staff needs to develop their own quarterback. They inherited Skylar Thompson, and they're not getting the kind of play out of the ones that they've brought in that one would hope they could get out of them. It's kind of been a little bit disappointing. Scott, you mentioned what the Jayhawks have to fix on offense. How about the defense? Is there hope for that side of the ball? Uh, Fitz, if there is hope, it's kind of dwindling a little bit. Now, I, I do think there are some things Kansas does well defensively. I think... The defensive line continues to have some good moments, but you, you start with all the breakdowns that happened in this game. And, and again, there were some good moments. I talked about the interception by Romello Dotson. Now, you can't get chased down by the quarterback here, and you certainly can't go out of bounds. You need to make that quarterback make a tackle. But I think the issue for Kansas is the linebacker spot. You see Gavin Potter there, if he didn't move, when the ball was snapped, he would have been in the right position to make the play. Instead, he went to a hole that was covered, opening up space for Duke to run. Kind of the same thing here, where again, Gavin Potter doesn't disengage and get to the sideline. Now, it's not just him. Uh, Kansas's defensive issues, they go far beyond a single player. To me, the linebackers, though, are the unit that has to show the most growth. They're not tackling well, they're not in the right positions, and they don't have the kind of support players behind them and in front of them, to be fair, to bail them out. They are the ones who have to come in and make these tackles. You see, again, another play by Potter. That needs to be a sack. And, and you know, even here, you need to take the right angle if you're Rich Miller just to make the stop. And then, you know, you need someone to, to kind of bring a guy down before he runs for so many yards. So I think there are a lot of questions. Now, 
Uh, one of the issues Kansas is facing is that the secondary is really young, and Jacoby Bryant got injured, so that certainly didn't help the depth of the unit. Uh, Deuce Mayberry has been a pretty big disappointment since the start of the year. Those guys are young, and, and typically when you have a young secondary, you would look at the roster and say, okay, how do we compensate for having young corners or young safeties or whatever? And you say, okay, maybe bring some more pressure, drop off some guys, maybe simplify concepts, tell them, you know, hey, on the outside, you're gonna play man, we're gonna bring some heat, and you only have to stay with your guy for a couple seconds. Well, KU doesn't have that kind of support from the front seven. I think the defensive line has been better than the linebackers, but they're not exactly just kind of destroying guys and, and making a mess of things inside to where it, it's really putting stress on opposing quarterbacks. So you have a few units that would be good enough if the other units supporting them were great, and instead they don't have that really at any spot, and it's kind of exposing the weaknesses across the board. So long way of saying... Uh, maybe not a ton of hope, maybe a little bit just for some internal improvement, but Kansas's defense has a lot of problems and they kind of continue to get exposed. Yeah, that was not a good diet at the office. By the way, is Duke's stadium called Cameron Outdoor? <laughs> it, it, should be. it should be. It should be. I'm, I'm just going to write a nice letter to them mm -hmm. and tell them that. Now we step out of bounds, and Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, Fitz, let's talk about no, the Chiefs no, today. No, no, no. Kansas City fell to the Chargers. It was a, a close game in the end. Chiefs actually had a chance at it late, but uh, what have you seen from the Chiefs so far? Any alarm bells going off a one and two start to the season? I think you got to trade Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and maybe get a fifth round pick. Look, uh, they got the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's not playing quite up to his own standards. It's almost like Patrick's enjoying the stuff Patrick does a little bit too much. Like, we just saw the no-look pass. Was it really necessary there? Because if he throws that ball on target, it's probably not intercepted. So I just think they're a little full of themselves. And again, again, the NFL is a league that has done a great job of trying to balance talent, trying to make sure there's no one really dominant. And when you do have a team that looks like it might get dominant, everyone's out to get you. I mean, this is everyone's Super Bowl but they have to be more precise. Their defense hasn't been good enough. And when their offense, you know, most particularly Patrick Mahomes in these last two games is turning the ball over, you put your whole team in a bad situation. They're gonna be fine. It's shocking that they're one and two, to be honest, and a, a home loss now. But um, I'm not that overly worried unless it, you know, something starts to fracture in the locker room. If they pull it back together, I think they're gonna be fine, Scott. Yeah, well, Fitz, again, I think the Chiefs' long run, probably fine, but you, know, you talk about the first interception being a, a no-look pass that, you know, the guy still probably should have caught, but did he need to no-look pass? And then the, the last interception, too, was a case of, you know, I know it was third down. It's not terrible. It's kind of like an arm punt, but, uh, again, just kind of a moment where Patrick Mahomes is... And I think you want him playing with the aggression that he thinks he can make a play at all times, but maybe that's one opportunity there where you really have to understand, too, the game situation and, uh, you know, maybe find a better spot to put the ball in. I don't know. I do think the Chiefs will be fine. I understand the reasons for concern. I think turnovers have been a big issue, especially how they started the game with three right off the bat. Uh, anytime you commit four turnovers, you're probably going to lose in the NFL. So to me, that's the area you have to clean up. Now let's hear from our fans. And our fan question is sponsored by Medlark, supporting people living their best lives. Here is our fan question for this week. Um, question for both of you, does the Big 12 just suck this year? That's Harry in Topeka, and uh, I think Harry, you said it all. Yeah, I don't think it's good, Scott, but what, what's funny is that I say I don't think it's good, but you look at their non-conference mm -hmm. 
portion of their schedule, and it shows that they were more than competitive against other conferences. In fact, that they had one of the better records in non-conference play. But I don't see it in what I watch. I don't see like a level of excellence that I'm used to from the upper echelons of this conference. Yeah, Baylor has impressed me. I think you too. West Virginia has definitely impressed yeah. me, even though they're two and two. I think Oklahoma State. I have not been impressed with uh, Kansas State. Was disappointing this week. We'll give them a chance to bounce back, especially as the quarterback spot gets more healthy. It's on Oklahoma. It's on Texas. Can, can those teams just play better and look like themselves consistently? Um, right now, I'm skeptical. Maybe, but but right now, I'd, I'd say the Big 12 has a problem. Texas looked better at least. Yeah, well, that was talk about a basketball score, too. So mm-hmm. uh, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. As we head down the home stretch of this week's show, it's time to look at our predictions. Yeah. (laughs) Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Here are last week's results. The viewers went one and two. Scott went one and two. And that Fitz guy, as knowledgeable as he is about college football, went two and one, and he leads at seven and five. What an incredible picker he is. Huh. Huh. Okay, let's start with this. Uh, Kansas is a shocking plus 33 and a half at Iowa State. Does Iowa State win at home by 34 or more points, Scott? I'll take Kansas, but I'm very nervous because, like we've talked about, Lance Leipold is not interested in covering. He will go for the touchdown late on fourth and whatever uh, when they're down big. That makes it dangerous to bet on Kansas. I'm going to take Iowa State, but that is just a lot of numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm, wow, that's a lot, but I'll take the clones. Well, next is Oklahoma minus 10.5 at K-State. Fitz, you say. A little surprised this number's this high, um, considering what Oklahoma just did at home. And K-State's won the last two. I will take K-State. I don't know if they win, but I think they're going to be competitive with Skylar Thompson back. Yeah. I will take Oklahoma after I just spent two segments ago bashing them. That's all right. That's mm-hmm. good. Oklahoma bashing is always permitted. Mm-hmm. Our last game of this week is Baylor, which is 2-0 in the conference, mm-hmm. plus 3.5 at Oklahoma State. So Oklahoma State's favored by 3.5. Can the Cowboys beat the Bears by four or more? I say no. In fact, I think Baylor's going to win this game. Uh, Fitz, I kind of have the feeling that Baylor's going to win this one, too. I will be different than you, though. I'm going to bet on last year's results compared to this year's. I'm taking Oklahoma State. It's always got to be different. <laughs> Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong local community. And we start with Mr. Scott Chasen. Well, Fitz, we just talked about betting lines. Let's talk about that. Kansas, some places, 33, 34-point underdog. 
that's a lot of, I don't want to say disrespect, maybe credit to the opponent, credit to Iowa State for maybe what they could do in a bounce back. But this has been a Kansas team that has had some bright moments offensively where you feel like they can actually score 20 or 30 points, which means maybe they're thinking Iowa State or, you know, is going to score 40 or 50. Uh, if, I'm a, if I'm a Kansas player, if I'm a Kansas coach, I'm pinning that up in the locker room. I'm saying, do you see this disrespect? They think you are going to lose to a team that has struggled every single week of the season um, except one. Do you, they see you losing by 40 to them. Are you going to? I, I think it's pretty disrespectful to them. I think that's how they'll perceive it. Uh, and, and you'll see if it inspires them to play better. Yeah, we will see. Well, Kansas State is off to a 3 and one start, and Kansas State is still right there in the race in the Big 12. They've got Oklahoma and Iowa State the next two games, games that they can win against the teams that were picked to finish 1-2 and two in the conference. But what Kansas State doesn't have is a consistent offense. And it's really time for Chris Kleiman and Courtney Messingham to put their heads together and try to better define what this team wants to be offensively because right now it ain't working. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We'll see you next week right here and all week on social media. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.